Thank you, Lord, that that is who you are. That is who you have been to us. That's why we're here even this morning. Uh, we are reminded, Lord, that you are not just a way maker and a light in the darkness for us, that you invite us to join you and be lights in the world. And that is why even when we don't see it or feel it, you are working not just in the circumstances of our lives, but in us. You are transforming us into vessels, into lights, into salt, so that we can partner with you in the saving of this world, which you love so much. And I pray, Lord, that as we lean into this morning some of the ways in which you might be doing that and some of the challenges that you are inviting us into, that we would take you seriously on this and that we would pay attention then to the invitation of this challenge today, as hard as it might even be to hear. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. You may be seated. It's good to be with you this morning uh, again and to continue uh, the conversation on um, becoming uh, a kind of a better way to be human. Uh, and of course, this is uh, kind of a reset, right? It's, it's not like a whole new prototype. It's back to the manufacturer's default. It's like you hit uh, kind of default on your computer and everything goes back to the way it was when it came out of the box. That's really what Jesus is inviting us to for the same reason that we were created in the first place. Genesis 1 and 2 makes it clear we are here we are to be human in a way that reflects God, that is his image, and as such then that partners with him to care, uh, care for the planet. And so he's going to go after uh, not just behavior, because he's not in this passage in the Sermon on the Mount trying to just give us new rules, uh, because he knows us well enough to know that if we have a rule, we will try and find a, a, a way to do an end run around it. We will try and find a way to keep the rule while breaking it. We will find a way. Any, am I just talking to myself? No. We'll find a way, right, to, to, to appear to keep the rule all the while breaking it. And so Jesus is going to go after our heart. He's going to go after, because what he wants is people who are good for nothing. <laughs> people who are good whether there's reward in it or not. People who are good because they have become good. Not because they're afraid of punishment. People who don't need rules because the rules, the law is printed on our hearts. That way then we can be useful to him as light in the world as salt of the earth, we can partner with him to that, to that larger outcome. So last week, uh, we, we began with the kind of the wellspring from which our most egregious behavior begins, our fear-based hatred and anger. Because that's what anger ultimately is, is a reflection of how terrified we are and we get our backs up and our puff our tails out like a, a cat in a corner, and that's often what our anger is as a way of self-protection. Fortunately, I wasn't here to hear that last week. Um, but today, uh, we get to talk about sex. So there's that. Uh, and in a couple weeks, Jesus is going to go hard after money. So you might want to not come for that one either. Um, 
because I think you're aware, right? Anger is not about anger. Sex is not about sex. Money is not about money. It's about the heart. It's about who we are. And those just are the tips of the iceberg that surface at the end of the day what's really going on in, in, in here. I will tell you, uh, I'm going to work as hard as I can to keep this PG-13. Uh, but I will warn you, I, uh, this is a third time through, so I'm tired. Uh, and I normally speak to college students, so this could well end up in the ditch somewhere, and it'll be over in about 20 minutes, so hang in there. Um, so, and again, the point here is, as we launch into this conversation, it's not as much about sex and sexuality as it is the way that sex has been weaponized to depersonalize others and reduce them to objects. So that's what Jesus goes after. He says in verse 27 of Matthew 5, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Actually, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. Because it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her a victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you've heard it said, people long ago, don't break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, because it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Don't even swear by your own head. Because you can't even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You see where he's going here. He wants us to be people who keep covenant, who keep promises, who refuse to get caught up in the backwash that is depersonalizing, that is objectifying others for the sake of our own satisfaction. So he goes after, and, and, and I love the fact that Jesus starts with anger because a lot of sexual misbehavior is not about sex at all. It's about terrified power and the misuse of power. And uh, it, it, to either dominate or to manipulate, those are the options that come out of Genesis chapter three. We're built for power. But our power is supposed to be used to elevate others, not to dominate them or to manipulate them for the sake of securing our own sad little place in the world. So Jesus goes after this concern and he uh, 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 speaks of a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees. And righteousness, as you know, uh, in, in this passage, speaks to behavior. It's right behavior. So he says, I want your right behavior to exceed that of the Pharisees. And of course, the Pharisees were the most holy people, the most righteous people. 
that his audience knew. So they're scratching their heads. How is that even possible? And so he goes to it. The Pharisees have figured out how to appear righteous. They figured out how to keep the rules. But at the end of the day, they are, he uses this harsh language, nothing but whitewashed sepulchers filled with dead men's bones. There's rot at the core. So your righteousness, your behavior that exceeds that of the Pharisees can get there simply by a heart transplant, a transformation from the inside out so that behavior flows naturally. You are good for nothing, not because you're afraid of being seen or caught or your web history is going to be exposed to the world, but because you have actually become a good person. And what he's after here, of course, is the, the weaponization of sex, the, 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 the depersonalizing sexualization that reduces another person for the sake of my own satisfaction. And this works in a variety of ways, as I'm sure you're uh, uh, aware in our culture. And uh, it is, because please notice, Jesus is very aware of the necessity of sexual desire. It's not that that he's concerned about. He doesn't say looks and lusts. He says looks to lust. So I don't know if your translation gets that, but that's in the Greek text underneath. And, and the reason is very simple. Jesus knows that we are built to desire others. We are built for connection. We are built for intimacy. The problem is we have so reduced intimacy to sexuality that we no longer how to know how to know and be known without it diminishing the personhood of the other. You want a new community? Anybody convinced that the world needs a better way to be human? If not, you haven't been paying attention because our inhumanity is proliferating like hangers in a closet. They're just, I thought that was a good joke, sorry. I, anybody else have a problem with that? It's like, I think what's happening is that socks go into a dryer paired and one of them disappears and becomes a hanger in the closet. I know that's what's happening. It's the only way to explain the mysteries of the universe. Anyway, told you through time. Anyway, so, so what's, what's going on there though is this, is this reduction of personhood that he is pushing hard against the weaponization of sex coming out of our Genesis 3 disintegration. And so he goes after it and, and, and uh, invites us into more than just a behavioral change. In fact, he tells a joke to make it clear that this isn't just about behavior. He says, if your eye offends you, cut it out, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. This is a joke. Jesus is using ancient Near Eastern techniques of hyperbole, gross exaggeration to make the point. Because the problem, brothers and sisters, is not your eye. The problem is not your hand. The problem is the source from which those behaviors come. So you can roll into hell a lusting lump unless the heart has been transformed. Unless the heart has been changed. Unless you have learned to do more than simply keep the rules of behavior. So he next goes after divorce. And 
Jesus is going to teach pretty extensively on divorce later on, so this isn't the primary teaching that he makes about it. But he is aware that certain of the law keepers had figured out a way how not to commit adultery by simply practicing serial monogamy. Right? If, if I'm married to one person and I see somebody else who's attractive to me, I just need to dump this person and marry that person. And in a culture in which women had virtually no power over this matter, they could be divorced with a threefold statement in the synagogue. I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. One and done, you're out with the trash and now Bucko is free to pursue the lusts of his heart. And Jesus is saying, really? You think that's what this is about? I'll tell you, if you do that, you're not only responsible for your adultery, you're responsible for hers, too. He's going after this way that we have found a way to do an end run around the, because here's, here's, here's the, we do this, we do that, I do this. I'll just speak for myself. Any line you draw in the sand, I can find a way under it. Any, anybody else? Uh, just a half a dozen of you and the rest. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you know what I mean? I had uh, one of my boys, my, 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 one of my boys was an inventor, the, the old, whatever the rules, fine, I'll, I'll keep them as long as you're watching. The, the other one was, what are the rules? Don't touch the table. Does that count? It was a glass top table. That was a rule in our house. Don't touch the table. Your grubby little fingerprints are going to be all over it. Right? So don't touch the... We do this. Yes? We do this. Have you ever heard of a California stop? Because this is what happens. It becomes incrementally easier and easier and easier to do more and more egregious behavior that violate the rights of others. And of course, it, I mean, it, I'm a responsible driver. Of course, I tap the brake. I mean, come on. What more could you ask? And then we look like the guy who's coming down on us is the idiot. And we, we shapeshift here. It's like, you know, I've got the right of way. Well, actually, I don't, but I can. And we do, the, we do this in traffic, right? We do this. We do, and it's easier for me to illustrate in traffic because none of you have that problem, um, and, and, but I personally, personally, I'm the lane warden on the 405 transition to the 55 South at eight o'clock in the morning. It's my shift, and it's my job to make you all with your Mercedes and Beamers stay out of the lane unless you've gotten into the queue back at MacArthur. Everybody knows that's where you get in. And if it were just about traffic, I mean, come on. That, by the way, <laughs> that's a thing. Talk about the anger last week. It's amazing how stupid you get when you've got a car. <laughs> right? But here is what Jesus is saying. You, 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 you think by finding an end run around the protections of covenant that your marriage simply dissolves because you say so? 
and frees you up to pursue the lusts of your heart in a way that objectifies and depersonalizes that other person? That's, that's not cool. Not if you want to be a better human. We got plenty of examples in marriages today, both inside and outside the church, that have figured out how to do an end run around the covenant that ought to protect it. And I, I, I need to be very careful here. I'm aware of my audience. I'm aware of that. This is not a universal prohibition against divorce. It's saying all other things being equal, unless the covenant is broken, don't break it. And it's not just, by the way, adultery that breaks it. I think in our culture, Jesus would add things like abuse, physical, emotional, sexual abuse that occurs in marriages. And unfortunately, sometimes Christian women have been, and I will very specifically, held captive by a misreading of this passage. That's not what he's at, because the covenant has already been broken. As soon as abuse creeps in, as soon as authority and power creep in, the covenant's already shattered because, again, we figured out a way to keep the surface, and at the heart, it's, it's damaged, it's broken. And he's, he's, he's wanting us to model a better way because we've got to figure out how in the kingdom of God to get along women with men and men with women. And if our primary view of the other is a sexualization of them, whether pornographic or, or otherwise, whether reducing them to a body part or reducing them to a role they play, the rescuer, the hero, the white, the knight in shining armor, it's still a reduction of their essential personhood to a sexualized image who exists for my satisfaction. There's not a woman in this room, my guess is, who has not felt slimed as she has walked into a room and felt the male eyes on her. Not on her as person, on her as body. And Jesus is saying to us, brothers, sisters, we gotta do better than this. We've gotta do better than this. If you're complaining about the stuff that is coming to you across the airwaves, the change does not start there. It starts here. So we begin to lean in to our capacity to honor one another. We, 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 it, 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 we figure out whatever it is that we have to do and, 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 and do what is necessary. Unfortunately, a lot of us keep the care, the rule breaking at the physical level. And Jesus is not going to permit us to get away with that. That's what the joke is about, that hyperbolic um, uh, uh, challenge that, that invites us to model a better way that people can change in, 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 in the culture. So here, he then goes on and, and, and unpacks this idea. You've heard it said to the people long ago, don't break your oath. Don't break your oath. And we live in a culture in which we need to take Jesus seriously. I mean, has anybody else noticed the erosion of trust in our culture lately? We don't trust anybody. If it's got three letters behind it, we're already memeing it. Government, science, it has gotten, dare we say it, crazy making. 
right? It's not just a matter, it's not just a matter of, of interpretations or opinions. Now we're starting to bring our own facts to the conversation. And if we can't facts, find facts that support our position, we'll make them up. We'll make them up. Fake news is not the invention uh, uh, of, of the recent years. We've been, we've been working this for a long time. And why do we do it? Because we don't like the truth. We just lie loud enough and get enough support and bully enough. And then all of a sudden, we've got a whole boatload of people who have been run over by our lies who, oh, okay. I mean, this has been going on for thousands of years. And Jesus invites his people to get off the crazy train and become people of integrity, become the kinds of people whose word can be taken to the bank because they are disciples of Jesus. If you have a little fishy on your business card, it better mean you never cheat at your taxes, at the installation you do as a plumber, or at the way you drive your car. It's why I don't have a little fishy on my car. <laughs> You see where he's going here? And I wish I could say, I wish I could say that uh, we who are disciples of Jesus are, are above all of this. Research in the last few years has indicated we are at the front edge of the lying that is taking place in our culture. And MIT research did this, reported in Relevant Magazine a couple of months ago in the run-up to the 2020 election and the January 6th, whatever you want to call it. And it indicated that the top 20 Christian websites, of them, 19 of them were run by offshore entities managed by trolls. Christian websites. What is more alarming to me is that the same survey discovered that 80% of the posts in so-called Christian media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, was simply cut and paste from those 19 websites without validation, without verification, without truth, without fact, without anything. Brothers and sisters, we got to do better. The world does not need liar, liar, pants on fire anymore. We need some people whose word you can take to the bank. And here's, here's, here's the problem with me. Jesus is just ridiculous on this. He can't possibly mean what he says. Let your yes be yes? Really, have you ever tried to buy a house? <laughs> Anybody? You're signing an inch thick stack of documents, each page of which exists because somebody lied. And an insurance company or a mortgage corporation or whatever is simply trying to protect their backside by you signing that you saw that piece of paper. And of course, you read them all thoroughly. <laughs> just like you do the software downloads. Agree. To what exactly? You ever read those? And Jesus is saying, let your yes be yes. Become the kinds of people who when you say yes, everybody knows that's the answer and it's not gonna change 
when the wind blows. My problem is that I want everybody to agree that my yes is by far the best answer that anybody in the history of the world, or at least the Western universe, could possibly have given to the question. And so I explain it 83 ways from Sunday in ways that finally make it very clear that the genius that is me has landed on the only possible multiple choice answer that gets 100%. And I knew if you were at least as reasonably intelligent as I, you too would come to the same conclusion. And that you don't, well bless your heart. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, how many times, and Jesus is clear on this. If you keep on blathering on, guess where that comes from? It comes from your lack of integrity, which he calls evil. The reason you have to explain your way so that everybody will understand is because you have not demonstrated yourself in community to be the kind of person who says what they mean, means what they says, and then stops talking. You want to change the world? I do. You want to be a light in the darkness, salt of the earth, preserving a sign of covenant? Then it's not about memorizing the new rules and keeping them. Amen. <laughs> I'll take what I can get, you guys. Okay, okay, I didn't mean it. Boy, isn't there a, is there a better metaphor for Christians <laughs> these days? <laughs> That's so good. I love that. Okay, anyway, um, anybody know where I was? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so so we, we, need, we, we, we need to become the kinds of people who are naturally truth-telling, even when it hurts to tell the truth. And not other people, us. Do, do, do you know? We're invited into a new humanity. Not for your sake, for the sake of the world. Are you in? Yes. This is the invitation. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we recognize the foolishness of our oaths when we have demonstrated ourselves to be unreliable, to be people who lack integrity. And so Lord, we want to become those kinds of people not simply by never lying, but by come, becoming the kinds of people who don't lie. By becoming the kinds of people who honor covenant naturally. By becoming the kinds of people who would never think to turn our noticing of beauty into a depersonalizing, sexualizing of the other. Because we have been transformed. It is so clear to me, Jesus, that we can't do this by ourselves. This is not cognitive behavioral therapy. This is a transformation. We need a heart transplant. We need you to help us repent and by the power of your spirit become the kinds of people that you can trust to partner with you to save the world. And we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.